What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the UGA Sports Call-In Show. I'm Paul Meharry, Ben Bachman, and Jason Butt. Join us this week, as always. Sorry about last week, guys. We're back in it, though, and we are ready for your questions. The title of the video is pretty self-explanatory. We're going to break down, can UGA actually go back-to-back? You look at the schedule, you think, man, it's a good possibility. But we're actually going to dive into a little bit of the statistics of the last team that did go back-to-back, what happened with that team, and can Georgia do it? It's tough. It's really tough. Uh, guys, jumping right into it before we get started, uh, it seems like the easy question here is, yeah, sure, Georgia could do it back-to-back, but the last team to do it, guys, was Bama, and that was 10 years ago, 2011, 2012. Uh, Georgia fans remember that 2012 Bama team. They knocked Georgia out right there in the SC championship game before beating Notre Dame, which essentially that Georgia-Bama matchup was the national championship, if you ask anybody. But that's the last team to do it, guys. It seems like it was maybe Clemson or or Bama in the mid-2010s. Uh, no, 2011-2012 Bama. Can Georgia actually do this before we dive into it? Jason, I'll start with you. I tweet this out. Yeah, uh, sure. I mean <laughs> – Anything's possible, but uh, it's it's kind of like as you alluded to, it's a very hard task to to accomplish. I think when you talk about it in any sport, uh, unless you were the UConn women's basketball team uh, <laughs> yeah. before Don, before Don Staley got to South Carolina, yeah. uh, where you just completely dominate. I mean, you just don't have that. You have, I mean, because even Alabama, for for as dominant as, as Alabama has been, like you mentioned, they still haven't repeated since eleven and twelve. So uh, it's just it's so tough. Uh, yes, Georgia should be up there with with a ten win season minimum, I think. But at the same time, I mean, you still have a you have just enough games that can trip them up. Then you got the SEC championship if if they get there, and then the playoff. It's just it's the everything has to fall your way. You have to have incredible NFL talent on uh, on both sides of the ball. I mean, Georgia had that last year, and uh, and that's why they were able to able to get there. Now. Do they have it this year? I think so. I, I do, and, and I think we we will see that play out. But so will Alabama. So will Ohio State. Clemson will, will more than likely reload. I think. I think that, that with, with a year of experience. Um, with with DJ, but, sure, they'll they'll be there. They'll be there. Uh, but yeah, then you've got then you've got. I don't know who else you got after that. You you may get a, a sleeper here or there that makes a noise. Maybe Notre Dame makes. I don't know. I mean. Does, they, I was looking at this, right? Does USC scare anybody, Ben? Like Southern Cal, not not USC of the East. This is why I don't think USC does. Um, when it comes to Georgia, when it comes to Alabama, hell, Clemson. When you look at those teams, what do they all have? The line of scrimmage, they are top-notch. The West Coast, minus some of those Oregon teams on the occasion, they don't have the line play that can compete with an SEC caliber team, especially the top half. They just simply not. USC O line has like no draftable guys this year. Their team either kind of scrimmage. They have and don't get me wrong, Caleb Williams is a top five quarterback. Jordan Addison is a top five receiver. Mario Williams is an Uber talented receiver. Um, they got like the lead leaguing uh, rusher in the Pac-12, Travis Dotted transferring. They have a bunch of skill guys. But look at the Lincoln Riley teams of the past. They never beat SEC teams. And don't give me that Florida when they all opted out that one year and in the COVID year. Don't give me that one. All the serious ones when they play in the playoff, they get at least forty-five or more points. I believe have been scored on them every single time. The Lincoln Riley teams, especially with less talent. I don't think USC can compete to win a title this year. Down the line, if they can get guys on the offensive defensive line, I think they could down the line. But this year, I don't think they have a chance of winning the championship. Not at all. Kind of, I just wanted to throw that out there because it was on my head going through these uh, stats and schedules and things like that. Uh, Nathan Halsey says, go dogs from Nate Dog. Time to regulate on everybody. I like says, it. He says, uh, 2020, 2021 was Georgia defense. 2022 will be Georgia offense. Guys, if you're watching us, you can join the show, too. Uh, we've got the link in the description on YouTube. And then if you click into the description on Facebook as well, you can join us that way. Uh, it's through StreamYard, so you just click the link and it'll kind of navigate you on with us. If not, no big deal. 
We understand it's a Sunday night. You're kicking back. Let us know where you're watching us from, though, in the comments. We'll shout you out. We'll put your comment up on the screen uh, for everybody so that they can know where you're watching from. And we always like to know where you're watching from, too. We, we get some cool places sometimes. We've had Japan in the past. Uh, Ben's ex-girlfriend was on here a couple weekends ago. So, I mean, we get a lot of we get a lot of characters on here. Um, you know, Paul, and, and really, really, Paul really got catfished by a bot. That bot came Paul back, Ben. Catfished I, by a ben, bot. before we go further, I timed out that bot, Ben, just so you know. And that bot came back after I timed it out. I'm just saying. Anyways, moving forward. Uh, like I said, guys, I did my research. I, I've, I've been cooped up in the house. I did some research on all this. And the last team, like I said, to repeat was Bama, 2011-2012. And you'll say, okay, well, what did they lose? On defense, they lost Dante Hightower, who was their leading tackler. They lost Mark Barron, who was a safety. They lost Courtney Upshaw, who was a linebacker. Daquan Menzi, who uh, played a number of roles for them. Drake Kirkpatrick, their number one corner. And uh, Jarrell Harris, who, who kind of got a little bit of snaps. Now, if you go look at what Georgia lost on defense compared to what Alabama lost, it's frightening uh, because Alabama reloaded a little bit in that year. Not to say Georgia can't, but on defense – they had, I'm looking at it right now, guys. On defense, Alabama lost four of their five uh, top tacklers. Georgia, on the other hand, also lost four of their five top tacklers, but they lost uh, 11 of their top 20 to either the draft, transferring, or Adam Anderson. Now, you go over to 2011. I'm, I'm just throwing out some more stats for you guys, and then we can kind of dive deep into this. A.J. McCarron was asked to only throw the ball for 2,634 yards, 16 touchdowns. 20, 20, uh, 2012, he threw for 3,000 yards and 30 touchdowns. So they doubled the production there. They lost uh, Trent Richardson, but they gained Eddie Lacy. So they still had that rushing attack. For Georgia, I see pretty big similarities with these two programs. The only thing that's a little bit scary is Georgia lost a little bit more on defense. And I'm trying to, I guess, find a comparison between the two. And the only thing I can see is back in 2012, guess who Alabama opened up against? Michigan in Arlington, Texas, an eighth-ranked program. They stomped them, just like uh, Georgia fans think that they're going to do against Oregon. Open up against a big-time program and stomp them. They lost at home to a Texas A&M team who was run by Johnny Manziel. Well, Kentucky has a kid in Will Levis that's pretty good. That could be a comparison. I don't know, you know, and then obviously the SC championship game against Georgia, they won 32, 28. We won't talk about that. We won't bring that up, but that's the last team to do it. There's been Bama that got it in 2015 and 2017, uh, Clemson won in 2016 and 2018 and Florida 2006, 2008, but all those had a year off in between. So the last team to really compare it to is this Alabama team. And the stats kind of match up to be honest. Sure. I mean, I mean, no. to, to to me, I, I think that uh, uh, one thing I, I do want to point out is that like the leading tackler stats to me can can be a little bit misleading. Um, you, you just everybody at this level should be able to, to tackle. If you're missing tackles, you're not putting up those numbers. Then there's a problem at the end of the day. So, um, so you're not I worried about the tackles. I'm not. Tackles. I'm not worried about tackle production at all. I think the guys, mm -hmm. the the quality of recruits that Kirby Smart's gotten into this program, that will sort itself out. I, I the one thing that they have to do um, to keep consistent and improve on defense is turnovers and third down stops. I think j just giving the ball back to the offense. That's where defenses win games. I mean. Bend but don't break can only get you so far. And I think, you know, the more and more tackles you produce, you know, you, you can say, oh, that's a great stat. But usually if you're getting more tackles, you're on the field a lot more racking up those tackles. You don't want that as a defense. So uh, to, to me, um, I'm not too worried. I think they got they got guys who, who can who can fundamentally uh, do that as a responsibility. But, you know, this team's going to have to do as good, if not a better job, of turning teams over if they want to be back in that championship race. Here's my thing, Ben. When Alabama lost their players on offense, they didn't, they lost Trent Richardson. So you, I guess you could compare you could compare that to losing James Cook and Zamir White because Trent Richardson put up ungodly numbers. Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of wide receivers, they lost their two top wide receivers and their top tight end. Georgia did not. They lost Jermaine Burton. Yes, twenty six receptions. They lost Pickens, but he wasn't he wasn't he wasn't a huge factor for him last year. So. 
they're even more reloaded on offense. Do you think this is really like the year of the offense? Well, I don't think they're losing much on offense. And I think they're that's gaining. Saying, yeah. So that's why I think this should be a big year for the offense. And I think I think I said this before. Stetson Bennett will be as good or better this year. And if he isn't, they'll pull the plug and they'll go to a Vandergriff or a Beck. I truly believe that because this year they have to rely on the offense more. So Stetson has to, at bare minimum, be what he was last year if they want to have a chance to win it all, right? And I actually think the number one thing when we're talking about repeating is the schedule. Does any team on the regular season schedule, I'd be curious if we added up the last three or four recruiting classes and we calculated the guys who have also transferred out, outside of maybe Oregon, has a top 10 team in terms of talent that Georgia will play. Because I look and I say Mississippi State might be the game that worries me most. Are they a top 15 team in talent? No. Or Tennessee at home, probably in a night game atmosphere in Athens. I don't think either of those two teams are going to be within 10 points. in Kentucky, terms of At Kentucky? At Kentucky doesn't scare you a little bit? You serious, Paul? No. <laughs> No, <laughs> simply put, the answer is no. Um, when I look also, you just ask bizarre to me, Will Levis, by some people, is projected as a top 10 pick. And yeah. Anthony Richardson, one, I saw Todd McShay put Anthony Richardson as the fifth pick next year. He said, well, this is just a projection on his tools and what I think of a season he could have. He had six touchdowns and five picks. And he's a top five pick. Dude, there's some people saying Will Levis could go number one overall. I'm just I'm, Will Levis in a lot of passing numbers. I forget who's reading off the numbers, but he wasn't top 50 in a lot of the passing numbers that they doled out. Like, if you compared him and Stetson's numbers in a lot of categories, Stetson blew him out of the water. I don't know where these NFL scouts and these people are like, big guy, big arm, he's going to scare you. I well, saw Will Levis yeah. versus Georgia. He, he didn't – I thought given that Jalen Carter slaughtered him that game – Given what he had in front of him, I thought, okay, he played okay. He does not look like a top 10 pick. He he, he doesn't, or at least he hasn't shown it yet. So I kind of look at this and say there's no team outside of Alabama or Ohio State who has the talent Georgia does, and neither of them are on Georgia's schedule. So that's why I think Georgia repeating and going back to the playoff is a really strong possibility because I can't project a loss. I think a lot of people are going to say 11-1, and one, and I understand why they say that. But I'm not going to predict 11-1. and one, when I can't look at the schedule and say I see a loss. I know 11 and 1 seems like the average number and I get it. Because maybe injuries and maybe they you know they have one game where they underperform. That has a high possibility. But they do not have a team on the schedule that from a talent perspective matches up to them. Here's the one thing uh going back again to this because this is the only, I mean the only team that did it before Bama was 94-95 Nebraska. I really didn't look at those stats guys. I'm be honest with you. I mean it, it's a different type of football back then. Uh I, yeah, I went, yeah, that's option offense. I mean, you're not. Yeah, I mean, you I can't compare with, that to today. Yeah, right. I went with the team that was closest to Georgia that you know actually had some players that went to the NFL, things of that nature. Uh, going back to that 2011 2012 Bama run that they did, and that's kind of what you know. Well, they won in 09, but that's kind of what started this whole dynasty, if you will, for Bama. And now Georgia has dethroned them. This could be Georgia's kind of switch over but you look at that schedule that bama had in 2012 they played some tough opponents they, their schedule was a lot tougher than georgia's coming up uh especially with opening and with michigan which is overranked but they were ranked eighth uh in that game and then they you know had to play against how they play against georgia so like ben said you look at this schedule oregon seems very doable samford uh come on now south carolina at south carolina it's gonna be hot it's gonna be, they they announced that it's gonna be a noon game. Uh, that sounds terrible. Um, I, I wouldn't want to be there. <clears throat> You've got Kent State uh, coming. The uh, Golden Flashes coming in after that. So you're four and zero. Then you got a, I guess your first or your second road test, Missouri. All right. You've got Auburn, who's struggling to find anybody at any position uh, to play football for him. Then you've got Vanderbilt, who redid their logo. Looks all right. Uh, then you head to the uh, then you get a week off before you head down to the uh, world's largest outdoor functioning cocktail party. Play Florida, who, like Ben said, might have a top 
top 10 quarterback on the roster by then. Yeah. Uh, then you go against Tennessee, <laughs> Hendon Hooker. He's pretty good. Tennessee did give Georgia some trouble last year. Uh, then Ben said the, the the game that gets him, the game that keeps him up at night, folks, is at Mississippi State. Uh, after that, the game that keeps me up is at Kentucky. And then you finish off with Georgia Tech. So, I mean. Oh, oh, that's the one. I might go 11-1 and one now. Georgia Tech. <laughs> well, here's, I think they might lose to a D3 program just because they just, you know, they play all the walk-ons and they lose to the D3 program. But here's the no. thing: you look at that, and it's that schedule is easy, man. The SEC East is wide open as it can be. Your SEC West opponents aren't that tough. I mean, also, Paul, I actually have a question uh, to you to prove my point. If Georgia goes twelve and out, plays out in the SEC championship, who do you think wins? Ooh, I think it's too early to call right now. We, because I don't think this, we know. There's this so is many my logic. Even though I don't think it just automatically happens that way, but think of all the times that there's been a top five matchup, the team that's lost, that lost the first time, ends up coming back and winning the second time. Georgia loses the first time to them, and then comes back and beats them again, just like last year. I mean, I wouldn't rule that out as a possibility. I really wouldn't rule it out because I think that would fire them up. Alabama might say, you know what, this isn't the same team as last year, and we already beat them this year. I, I'm just saying, I think that's very feasible. Here's the thing, though. We don't know. Like, if you guys are being truthful in, in saying that you guys really think the offense is going to step it up even more than it did last year, which very well could. Um, I, I'm not 100% sold. Uh, but, you know. You just well, why aren't you sold? That, that's a real question here. <laughs> Let's just keep it moving, Ben. Uh, <laughs> it, really? Let's we need answers. Moving. No, I, I just think because that Paul, you're I always think skeptical. Is it, is it you're, you're just not on the Stetson train? Is it just the way Georgia's offense has been the last few years? Like, what what's the thing for you? Because you're always like that guy was betting you. You have a steak dinner on the line. I think it's I because of the steak. You just are it, hoping you get the steak. I do want the steak from Eddie. Okay, from so you want the steak? Okay, I do. Um, but no, I think there's a lot of variables. It depends on how good Stetson comes out and plays. Yes, he is the first time he's going to be a starter, but. Does that make him, you know, not want to go after it as much in practice? You know, like I, I'm the guy now. I don't, he doesn't have that underdog role anymore. Does that maybe change the way that he looks at it? I'm not saying that it does. I'm just saying there's a lot of different variables. Yes, you have Gilbert uh, coming in, who's going to be really good. Who's going to be your number one wide receiver? There, who in your running back, who's going to be that running back for you that you put in there when it's third and three and you need to get three yards. Who's going to be that guy? Is it going to be Kendall Milton? I'm not hundred percent sold on him. So there's a lot of things that offensive line, they've got great pieces, but they haven't really all worked together yet. So I want to see how the offensive line does too. Um, I still think they score a ton of points though. It's, it's not that you made me lose my train of thought, Ben. I had a really good thought here and you, you just took me right off of it. Um, dang it. You do this a lot, Ben. Just looking at I your know, face. Just like I, I know I have in your mind that the future of the Orioles is better than the future of the Braves. I know I've instilled that in you, and I oh. know you believe it, but you won't admit it. Look, mm. look, hold on. We're going to bring in – you know what? We're going to bring in Dave McMahon. Dave McMahon. Oh, oh you oh, got oh. dogs. Is a dog? Hug a special guest. All right. Let's see. Hey. You good over there? I think I'm good over here. I mean, I, we have a – Hey, I'm at a friend's house, and there's a wild canine running around. Well, that, that's not good. <laughs> Dave, what I've done, though, here, uh, before you got on, was I did a little bit of Dave research. I, I dug okay. deep into the sports reference, and I found the last team to go back-to-back. -back. It was 2011-2012 Alabama. So, like, a team with Kirby Smart, you're saying? Oh, look at that. Yeah. Um, and so, what I, what I they, did was – With a returning quarterback – in um yes back see, with see a, Dave. yes with eddie, with eddie lacy being a second string running back then becoming a more of a star type player type thing yes yes dave i feel like you're kind of proud of me right now i am very, um, when am i not proud of you paul i know i know you're proud so of him I'm coming in second place to all those trivia games we, we played you're really that proud of them <laughs> well, maybe, maybe, maybe not anymore um but, but, but and what, and what you said before that, the previous one was 94, 95, Nebraska? Yeah, did I mess up? Well, I mean, technically, USC does have a 2003, 2004 coach. Yeah, I, I didn't year. count that one. I but didn't I mean, count that but, one. But if you go by with the with the 
And that year also, I mean, if you do the USC one or the Nebraska one, they also returned a quarterback and some, some stability. So maybe that's a, a common theme. Although the last time Georgia won it all in 1980, they returned a quarterback and a running back, and it didn't work out so well just because old Clemson had to get in the way. So what we're getting at, Dave, is can Georgia realistically do this? We saw what Bama lost on defense. I looked at their schedule. They opened up at a primetime game. Georgia's opening up against a primetime team against in a primetime game. Georgia's schedule looks a lot better than compared to Alabama's back I, then. But this is the only team that you can reference to that went back-to-back, so that's why I had to pull them. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I agree. I think Georgia can. Will they? It's another story. I think they have enough talent, obviously, up and down on, on offense, and then they have a lot of people I mean, on defense that I think are incredible, but – they're they don't they have the same amount of depth as they had um and that's i think that's what's coming comes down to is is if something goes wrong with either the georgia alabama can they um how quickly can they can, can they mend it and that's why i think that's what it might come down to because i think georgia could get to the sec championship quite knock on wood easily and then alabama's gonna be their toughest opponents it's it's gonna come down to who has the the better the better team at that time. I mean, if there's an injury here and there, or someone doesn't perform as well, it might come down to that. I mean, but you, so you might have to use a second or third team. Under Kirby Smart, Georgia's had in the six years, four um four of the six years they've had a different quarterback starting game one than game two. So it yes. might come, it might come yes. down to who's a, a backup, Mike Wise. I mean, we Georgia fans hope that Stetson Bennett is as good as he was last year, but. Will he be? Um, he, right. Hopefully, I mean, will they? Would the pressure get to his head? But who knows? I'm not Stetson. That's that's one thing, Jason, that we haven't touched on. Like Dave just said, starter in game one, starter in game two has been different for Kirby for a lot of years. This could finally be that year that maybe it's not, and we're all just in this loop of. Yes, they won the national championship, but something's got to go wrong, right? Maybe maybe it doesn't have to. No. Well, I mean, I guess outside of what it was the two the two Jake Fromm years where he started a sophomore and junior year. Otherwise, yeah, he's had issues at quarterback. I'm trying to be get all sideways too. No dogs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, but no, I, I mean, I I, I think, um, and I think everybody here probably agrees that Stetson Bennett is. Uh, gets way has has received way too much criticism for what he has produced in the last uh, two seasons when he's been called upon, and especially with the way he finished last year. Correct. So they did win the national title. Let's not go crazy yeah, here, guys. Right. I'm sorry. I'm a guest, guest attendant, but like, let's not go nuts here. What are we talking about? Yeah, no, we're, we're, we're talking about that's what we're, that's what we're talking about. Can they realistically go back to back? Uh. <laughs> The last team, the last team to do it was 2011, 2012. Bama. Outside of Bama, Ohio State, to me is better than them. So that's why, if you're a yeah, top three team, Oregon without uh, Trudeau and uh, everybody else, I mean Thibodeau. Thibodeau, sorry, we should be stomping them, right? Well, sure. that, that's that's step one. We get, there's a lot of steps you got to take. There's there's twelve steps. Yeah. Sort of like something else. Well, we don't. <laughs> all the more. We don't have Bama like in the season, right? Hope maybe game 13. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So so you're a Georgia fan. I don't know who you are. You're, you're sideways there with Dave. Can, Paul finally got a caller. Fan, there you go. Can you, uh, can you see Georgia going back to back? Because the last team to do it was 10 years ago. So that's why I'm bringing it up now. Wait, is it Florida went back? No, they went 06-08. Bama's had a lot of good teams. Since. It's tough. However, you have to also account for we did not win the SEC championship, but yet we won the national title. So whether we go back-to-back as far as the SEC, who cares ultimately, right? Yeah, well, it's all about the national, national championship. championship. Yeah, yeah. You can do it twice. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah, no, I'm, no I, that is well, that Paul, is Paul bad, the offense is going to suck. I'm, I'm just going to be straight. Paul is hiding it. <laughs> He thinks the offense is going to be terrible. He thinks I think, I think is the bad. offense, I think I think the offense is overhyped. No, 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 no. I like my sources, Paul. I've heard, I've heard 
you've been ben, I like Munkin a lot. I like Munkin a lot. You're you're going overboard here, bud. They have um, a lot. They, there's a lot more weapons to go go wise um, for Monken's things. I mean, I think that's a lot of times the continuity and the is, is going to be in Georgia's favor this year. I think offensively they have a, a lot of weapons. I don't think anyone's going to dominate like other teams. I think it's going to be so many players that are going to get thirty or so catches and and run the ball. 15 times, sort of like how this year was, I think. Wait. Is Donnie Wilker. Right now? Yeah, you're on live. Oh, sorry. That's okay. Donnie Wilkerson says, uh, Bama has tougher yeah. road getting to playoffs than Georgia. Def- Georgia's defense will be ready by time playoffs. Uh, we should have record-setting offense all year against our opponents, 12-0. No game will be closed until SEC championship. So, yeah, I mean, and I think yeah. that's where a lot of fans go, but – the reason that I wanted to kind of bring this as the main topic for the show was it just hasn't been done in 10 years. Like you, it, you would think, you think it, it would have been, you would think it would have been Bama got close in 2015 and 2017, but Clemson got in the way in 2016 and 2018. And then you could say the same thing. Clemson got close, but then Alabama got in the way. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And then you had Florida way back 2006, 2008. Bama but, got close last year. Yeah. yeah. Again. I mean, so it's one of those things where it's like, it's it's really tough, and I'm. It's not that I'm trying to hamper expectations for the fan base, but yes, you, you have a really good team coming back. At the same time, it's really tough to do a back-to-back national well, championship. You know what I find to be interesting? I always thought I, I don't know why that Ohio State was close to Bama in terms of championships in recent memory. Since 2000, they've only won two. Georgia wins one more. They've had the same since the year 2000 as them. And Ohio State seems like outside of Bama, they're second in win percentage over the last decade. I believe that is a factual stat. Dave can check me. But um, that's something where I look at and say that shows how hard it is. If Ohio State only has two in 20-some years. And, and Ohio, like seems like Ohio State and thing. Clemson have a lot easier way to get to that, that, that playoff. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I'm trying to just revolve around. I, I think Georgia can do it. I think they can reload on defense. I think the offense can be just as good, if not better. But it's it's tough, man. It's tough. That's that's what I'm getting at here. Paul, are you saying they can do it, but you would just predict like maybe Bama wins it again or Ohio State? Because I think that's the safe – like that's the well, safe I, one. I, I think anybody who is picking – just looking based off of statistically and, and historically, Dave is a st- statistician and historian would probably agree. The best bet would be to not pick Georgia to win this year because mm-hmm. the, the last time it happened was 10 years ago. Is that right, Dave? That if you're, correct. if you're kind of a betting guy, I would, would, I, would, I, would assume, I would, I would, uh, I would assume so. And I think Vegas thinks the same way as, as you. Well, what's the line I saw? Like right, right now it's like Georgia and Bama minus minus one thirty, And then the field Let's is, see. Whatever else, I I can't remember the numbers that I saw, but I I can't remember. I'm pretty sure it was Georgia or Bama minus one thirty, but I can't remember what the field number was. That's uh, that's crazy odds. Minus one thirty yeah. is crazy. Yeah, so it's odds. like I mean, there's no reason to take Georgia or Bama if you're you're not even going to double your money. Let's see here. Um, college football playoff championship odds. So they have a lot of places have Alabama plus two hundred. And then Georgia's hovering around plus 325. After that, Ohio State's plus 450, and then it just drops. Clemson plus 1,400. Texas A&M's plus 2,000. Texas A&M is the fifth. And then sixth, I I brought it up at the beginning of the show, sixth, USC Trojans plus 2,000. Wait, what was the drop? This is the tricky thing. Who would you – okay, so we all agree Bama, Georgia, and Ohio State are the three best. Who would you take after that? I don't know who I would take because are you as, really buying Clemson, USC, and A and I'm not. I'm not buying them yet, so I'm not as, who I would as, take. Who's the fourth best team, or who's the, the fourth team that would make a playoff? Well, that I think to make the playoff. Uh, I mean, so I, I you have to just fourth best chance to win the whole thing. The fourth best team does not always make the playoff. Yeah, but I would say fourth best chance. So who could beat those three teams and win a championship? Gotcha. Nobody. I don't see it. I think Clemson's your fourth, but there's yeah, a drop off from three to four. Yeah, <clears throat> after Ohio State at plus four fifty, Clemson is then at plus twelve hundred, plus fourteen hundred. Yeah. I mean, 
And then you said AM was fifth at plus 2,000. Plus 2,000. AM had a quarterback. Like, here's the thing if either of them had good quarterback play, they'd have a chance. Their quarterback play, DJ was, and that O line is bad. And AM, their offense isn't there. And I, most of their talent are freshmen. So I, I just don't know there. So it, it does help the argument of going back to back in that there's really only three teams that Vegas sees yeah. that could potentially win this thing, Dave. And but, one of them is Georgia. And one of them is Georgia. Georgia's second. Uh, they also have Oregon, though, at plus 5,000. Off topic here, did anybody see the three bets that Vegas took until they had to lower the line of the uh, Utah State team? They took three bets of $1,000 each at plus 10,000, and they opened up against Alabama. And apparently they have a good quarterback. And I guess what these people are thinking is they're going to beat Alabama and then go on a run and uh, win, win out. And so they had to drop the odds for, uh, for Utah State because they had three $1,000 bets coming in over plus 10,000 or something crazy like that. And they were like, yeah, no. Do you have the top 10 of the uh, odds? Yeah. Do you have yeah. the whole top 10? Because I, I think I have a sneaky team that I would pick as my fourth. Okay. I've got it right here. All right. Well, who, who are the rest of the top 10? If they're on there, I'd tell you. So you've got uh, Bama, Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson, Texas A&M, USC, Oklahoma, Michigan, Notre Dame, Utah, Oregon. There it I think is. Utah? Utah. I think Utah because I think they can win the Pac-12 very easily and be there. And they're just – they play teams tough every time. They just can't lose more than once. And I think a Pac-12 championship – a Pac-12 champion right now, even with one loss, is going to get pushed to the back. I think that's that's the, that's the main issue they're going to have. They don't have, think, they don't have as much margin for error. I don't, I don't think they're going to lose as of now. I think they'll beat USC, and I think they'll beat well, – they play Florida. I think they can beat both of them. You well, think they have more? They have more manpower or more men? More. They almost beat Ohio State. That defense is. <laughs> Thank you, Jason. Hey, hey, but, hey, I love it. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you come up with that so quick? Yeah, what, what was that, Dave? That's, that's just good Utah humor. Yeah. <laughs> just good Utah humor. Um, <clears throat> kind of. You know, to wrap this portion of it up, and then we'll just kind of discuss some other crazy stuff that's been happening in Georgia athletics and everything else. Big weekend. Big weekend coming up. Yeah. To wrap this topic up, Dave, it seems unlikely. But once you look at the trends, you look at the odds, you look at who they have coming back compared to who Alabama had coming back, uh, they're very similar, very similar to that team. Uh, and we 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 all know that that's real. I mean, yes, they won in 2009, but this 2011 2012 was when it really kicked off for Bama, and they they shot off. Um, can can Georgia realistically go back to back? Realistically, I think so. Just because they could get to that SEC championship, they should. And if they win that game, they should uh, obviously be in the playoff and and can move on. It just depends on who has. In case something happens, who, which, um, which team can succeed in the SEC championship? Dave, where are we going to see you next? Where I know you're always covering all the big sports. I am doing. Let's see. I've I've just got back from the PGA Championship. I've done a lot of stuff at at Turner for their baseball, basketball, and hockey coverage in studio wise. Nice. So I've done a lot of that. Um, but this summer, I've decided to take a lot of my TV time off. Um, the summer I have SEC media days and, and a couple of little things here and there. And that's about it. There it is folks. Dave McMahon, Dave, you're always welcome on the show whenever you want right. and go have fun with your, your, uh, friends over there. And, uh, we will talk to you on the next show. Maybe, maybe you need some trivia next time you come there on. You we can stop yeah, in. Paul, you just want to. Oh, you're going to eat an L to two people this time, Paul. All right. Paul, yeah, Jason's, place, dude. Third dude, place, Jason, you're a participation trivia. Ben, I'm telling you right now, Jason is really good at trivia. So I, I don't care if he beats me. You're not beating me, Paul. That's all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> I played, I played um, with trivia with Jason before, yeah. and he's done quite well. Yeah. Dave, Dave's the man, though. We did yeah, a, uh, a long time ago, we were on a, a football trivia. Uh, uh, championship thing, and Dave carried us. Uh, Dave got us. I what was the famous Amos Alonzo Stag? Yeah, it was the final answer. Of course, Dave knew it. So 
I'd we play got, against Dave if it was team, and I would be on his team. I wouldn't do anything else, though. No, there's no chance be. I would go against Dave in a trivia contest. That's no. like going up against Mike Tyson in a boxing ring. Like, there's, <laughs> All it is is A-A-B, left, right, A-B. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> well, Dave, man, we appreciate right. it. Next time you, you come guys. on, bring us some trivia of 2010 forward, maybe, and I all think right. I can beat Ben. Well, there you all have a good day. See you, I would be better in, in the younger age. Paul, you're such a bum. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, one thing I want to touch on, guys, it was a pretty cool story over on UGASports.com. Jason did on the uh, Classic City Collective. Collective, correct. Yeah, Triple C. Um, yep. And that is how they're going to be doing their main NIL. Mm-hmm. And it seems like you, you can do as much money as you want, but $21 per month kind of gets you in the door as part of the NIL here. And uh, Jason, you had a pretty cool conversation with the guy who's running this. Can you yeah. tell us a little bit more about that? Because I know NIL now is just this big, huge thing that we don't know a ton about, but you got to kind of dive deep into it, especially on Georgia's side and what they're trying to do with it. So what what is that? Yeah, so Matt Hibbs, uh, he used to be uh, – he used to work in Georgia's athletic department specifically with the football team uh, in compliance. So he, he had to make sure all the players were <laughs> – all the players weren't cheating. Then he ended up – when NIL launched where players could use their name, image, likeness to get deals and make money, not through the university but on their own time and accord with their, with their likeness, um, Barstool actually offered him a job to run the department. He ran it from home. Um, it, it was really tough for him. He said to, to do it from home right around the same time he left. This was last October, a couple of these collectives as they're calling themselves, where it's basically, you don't, they don't work for the university or for the athletic department. They're their own entity, their own business, but they share the interest. That's the way they're putting it. They basically, Hey, uh, football coach, Hey, basketball coach, what do you need? Like, how can we ensure that players are getting compensated for uh, it legally through the new NCAA rules with NIL? And um, and so he kind of thought, okay, why isn't Georgia doing this? And then he really couldn't get an answer and said, you know what? I'm going to do it. So he comes in, starts up the Classic City Collective, and essentially they're the, they're the brokerage. And I wouldn't even say brokerage. We're like more of like the middleman. So – a business entity out here or anybody needs a player for an appearance for uh to advertise on social media whatever else they go to the collective this is there at least this is what they want they have multiple outlets they can do their own thing but what what the university prefers and what the collective prefers business comes to the collective collective goes to the player they then the collective then exchanges the money and that way the players can get multiple deals under one umbrella actually works out great for the players. They only have to do one 1099 come tax season. Ah, you don't have yeah. to do all this. And also they're doing the work, whereas the players don't have to. So if you're not a Stetson Bennett, if you're not a Brock Bowers, like those guys, like the big time players have agents that handle their NIL deals. So they're not really going through the collective. If you are, I don't, I don't know. I mean, Keely Ringo comes to mind. I don't know if Keely Ringo has an agent, for for instance. He's a big enough player, but maybe not big enough to right. go ahead and have that NIL agent yet. So maybe he's somebody that it, it would benefit greatly instead of having to like go on his own and deal with this guy, this guy, this guy, this person. Like just, just a one-stop shop to handle it. They are also, what's interesting though, is long-term, I think they kind of want to be a little bit of both where they handle the outside businesses but also do some stuff in house um, to, to do the uh, um, like appearances. They'll, they'll handle like like autograph signings, uh, any other stuff. Where if they're raising money or if they're able to um, provide a service or subscription, kind of create their own own content streams and, and get subscribers to come in, get advertisers to pay um, in, in that respect. Then um, that's another way they can can actually act as a def- as like a nil entity themselves and have them do appearances and pay pay the players that way but so that's so that's the long-winded explanation of kind of what they're doing what it is um but ultimately the 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 point that he was really raising is in year one they need money now to be able to get this thing operationally going at full speed to compete with all the other big programs so they're getting big donations from georgia's biggest donors but an area that they think they can really capitalize is you're coming off a national championship 
uh, it's, it's, you know, being a fan is, is, uh, probably has never been more exciting for the Georgia program than it is right now. Um, if you donate $21 a month, you become a member of the 21 club, you can get access to those autograph signings. You can get access to some other events that they might be doing. Um, it's $21 a month. So you're, you're subscribing that money goes to the classic city collective, and then they're able to, um, facilitate these NIL agreements operationally and possibly, uh, some of that money might end up. No, I don't know how it's all allocated at the end of the day, so I shouldn't really right. speculate, but what I do know is they need donations to oper to operate and compete with the other programs that are doing the same thing. And so that's really where he was hammering home. He said the most important thing is right now, um, you know, the fan donations are, are huge. Um, he's like, and you know what, if you do a one-time donation of $20 of, of whatever, that's fine. That's great. But this is your time to, um, you know, get in and help Georgia out, um, and, you know, in a, in a way that can, can help propel them to be able to, be on the forefront and, and, and uh, be in the lead when it comes to NIL uh, deals for these players. It just seems so crazy that like this has now become a thing. And we, we really were able to peel back the curtain on that uh, by talking to the Classic City Collective's, you know, Hibs and, and seeing exactly what it all entails. And it's it's really just wild how college football is mm -hmm. changing. And, you know, it, it all started with Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher going back and forth with that banter of, you know, buying players, et cetera, et cetera. But now you're you're really out in the open as a third party saying, hey, we need money so we can give it to these kids. And the coaches can be in contact with this third party. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's, 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 it's just, it's, it's like your play. It's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a weird concept to me that the coaches can be like, hey man, uh, just so you know, I need, I need X, Y, and Z for, for A, B, and C players. I think you know, it's, it, it's weird. Yeah, but it's weird in the sense of, like, it just hasn't happened before. So it's a, it's a new frontier. But, like, at the end of the day, I mean, I know people that are old school or, or people who are traditionalists are like, oh, man, this is college. This isn't, this isn't professional sports. Sure. But, like, at the end of the day, like, if you are a human being – I'm going to get all philosophical here. So, I, you know, if you don't like that, I, I don't apologize. But I'm just going to warn you. Yeah, but if you're a human being and and you have the ability to exist, for instance, and somebody wants to come to you and say, hey, you do this, so I want to pay you because you do this and it's going to make my company better. There is no entity that should be allowed to say, absolutely not, you can't do that. Like fundamentally, that is against what should be in, in this, this country here that, that we are we live, breathe capitalism. Like that should not even come into the question, like to restrict people from being able to earn their potential. We can talk all day about whether, you know, we have the debate. It's not even about whether players are employees of the university. It is, I'm on my own time. This company wants me to represent them because I'm awesome on a football field. Why were we ever restricting these guys from being able to do that? So, um, well, the NCAA was making a ton exactly, of money. exactly, and it was stupid, and it was it was just so idiotic and, and dumb and um, and anti-American, if you ask me. It's 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 yeah. it's you know, I mean. So uh, at the end of the day, I, I I think it's great that if if Matt Hibbs and the collective are able to stay in communication with the coaches, then uh, with Kirby Smart that actually can help other players who may not be getting noticed, who may not be uh, getting certain opportunities that can help streamline those opportunities for them. So it's actually a benefit when you think of it from that perspective. And Matt Hibbs did mention, he's like, there are players on the team, you know, Brock, again, Brock Bowers, Stetson Bennett, those guys have agents. Those guys aren't struggling for money. There are players on the team who might have an NIL deal or, or something or, or some of that, uh, that was it the uh, cost of living stipend or whatever it is they get. Yeah. And they have to send it to home because their parents or, or they have relatives who need money. And he's like, well, I want to help those guys out. I want to get them some deals so that they don't, any money they sent home, they can get it replenished, you know, by doing something. It's not like we're just handing out money or they're handing out money to kids. They are, they have to provide something. There's a contract, you know, that obviously I mentioned sure. 1099. So um, it, yeah, it's, it's not pay for play. 
it's just capitalizing on your celebrity essentially as a Georgia football player, Georgia athlete, and, you know, it's all sports, um, you know, throughout the athletic program. You know what I just noticed, Paul, is what? I actually thought about this because we had a discussion a while back about NIL. I think it was a few episodes ago, and we've even talked off air about it. What I think is a good thing now is I think if a player we, – we always talk about this. Um, that's been talked about the last few years with the NFL draft where guys will go early for the draft, and there'll be a late-round picker go undrafted, and they'll have one or two more years of eligibility, and they make a stupid decision. And I and the reason they jumped is for money for their families. From their perspective, it's a super smart idea, and I don't blame them one iota. But from us looking at it saying, hey, you need another year. Your draft stock will be better next year. You should stay. I think with NIL, that's a good thing in that sense, that some of these players, I'm telling you, these schools are going to be like, okay, you're a fourth or fifth-round pick this year or potentially even undrafted, but you got some talent to you. Trenton we'll Thompson. pay you to come back. I think that's great. And also, I think this could be interesting for baseball. Basketball, too. Think about this now. Drew Jones, who we've talked about, mm-hmm. Paul, suppose some team, suppose Vandy said, if you come here, we guarantee you, since you can maybe be the face of college baseball, we'll pay you a few million up front. So that team, the MLB, you might have to be ultra aggressive with how much money you want when a team drafts you in the MLB draft. Because now maybe some of these teams say, you know, maybe some of these guys are marketable. And if we get a whole bunch of these guys, we could be winning baseball championships, depending on how things go. So I think NIL now can really influence some guys to come back to school while not paying for them to go to a certain school, which I actually think that's great. I think that's great for the for the um, for college athletics. I, I actually like that aspect of it. Just well, wanted to bring that up. And basketball too, with the one and dones. I think that yeah. um, you don't have you don't you're not going to have those those handful of players, or maybe not even that many, but who who do go from high school to the G League. Um, you not, maybe not have to worry about that. Or if you have a player who did go their first year and they didn't have a great year, and then they decided, well, we're going to go to the NBA anyway. Well, maybe you can actually pay them and get them another year. I think that actually helps solve that problem. Um, you know, with with the uh, the issue. Um, Especially when when you run into uh, you know certain certain guys who are highly regarded freshmen who otherwise would have gone to the NBA, they come to college, they're not ready, and they end up going anyway. And you know maybe they can be convinced to stay now that they can make some money. I've said it the whole time. I think it creates parity in college football a little bit. I think that you're going to start seeing those four stars go to Kentucky or go go to Arizona State because they have enough money to pay one or two four stars a big NIL deal, whereas. He probably would have, you know, maybe taken his his chances at Clemson or Ohio State or Georgia or Bama, but instead he's going to stay home in his home state and get a bigger NIL deal. So it's going to create a little bit of parity. You're, you're, I think we're going to see that uh, in these 2023 recruiting rankings when we start looking down the line and we compare it to previous classes. Oh, well, this school had a four star. This when was the last time this school had a four star? Uh, 2002, because he he wanted to. He wanted to stay at home. He, his his grandfather was a lifelong, you know, Arizona State Sun Devil fan. Uh, but now you're going to see the kids stay in Arizona because they can market him, whereas he would have had to leave to do that and you know make make his name somewhere else. So I think it's good for the game. I think it's just now they they have to find a way to balance it all out and with these collectives and things like that. I think <clears throat> that's going to really help kind of push that forward and and bring a balance to it. It's not the wild wild west. Texas A&M going crazy. Uh, You know, I I think that's what fans are scared of. But if you look at it from a broader spectrum, I think it actually helps the game out a lot and will keep some of these kids at home, which is always good for college football. You don't want to see stacked rosters unless you're a fan of Georgia, right? You want every five-star you can get your hands on, unless you're a fan of Bama or Clemson or Ohio State. But those teams are there every year. Let's start, you know, if this NIL thing works, and I don't know, who's got money? Uh, USC, they, Miami. Yeah, my, like Miami hasn't been good in forever, but they've got money. So they're starting. Texas they're, they're, has money, but they don't know how to use it, right? I mean, right. So, but, I haven't seen a program not know how to use money like Texas. <laughs> <I> just, <laughs> but like there's got to be some type of program out there that we're not even mentioning that it's, they've got money. Uh, Ohio, uh, Oklahoma State, T. Boone Pickens. Dude's got tons of money. They got to start a collective out there in Oklahoma State. But, Paul, you know what? I think it also creates other new scenarios. Like think about this. Let's say Arch Manning hypothetically committed to Georgia. Who do you think Georgia should not take, by the way? Um, let's say he commits and there's a top 2024 20, quarterback who's like, oh, I don't want to go to Arch Manning. But he knows, oh, I could be the backup quarterback and get big. Like Brock Vandergriff's going to likely sit two years. 
And some of these guys are going to sit two or three years, and they're definitely collecting at least decent NIL money. You can go, hmm, I'm going to be the quarterback in waiting in a few years at Georgia. I can get big NIL money. And guys like Trayvon Walker only started one year and were the first overall pick. Maybe some guys now look and say, you know what, I'm willing to follow a quarterback a class behind if I have to, and I'll take the NIL money as long as I feel confident enough that that player is going to you know, be a three and out. I think some of those scenarios are possible now where you see quarterbacks back-to-back-to-back classes if they're willing to take NIL deals and sit, and they develop at the right rate. You could see that start to happen. I think it, that's very feasible that if a quarterback goes, a lot of these starting teams I would start for, like I was talking to Blaine the other day about Jane Davis, and I said, of if Georgia gets uh, Arch Manning, like of the schools he's interested in, North Carolina and Penn State, the only top schools where he has a decent chance to start by his second year. Suppose he looks at those other schools and says, I can get NIL and I'll just be willing to sit two years if I have to. That's something to think about now. And I think that's really intriguing um, just to add another aspect to it. That's, yeah, it, it changes it completely. And so now we've, we've gotten to pull back that curtain. Guys, if you weren't able to, uh, definitely go read it. It's on UJSports.com. Jason Butt did a, a tremendous job with that article. And really, just like I said, peels back the onion, if you will, pulls back the curtain on what exactly this NIL thing is. Because for so many people, it's just, oh, well, now it's an arms race. Who's got the most money? Not so fast. It's it's There's certain ways to go about it. It seems like George is doing that. So, uh, guys, I think we'll wrap it up here. If I think you've gotten uh, sick of my voice uh, being sick and, and uh, moving forward. I appreciate you guys jumping on with us as always. 2011-2012 was last time a team went back-to-back. Georgia could potentially do it. They've got all the same type of pieces that Alabama team did. So next thing to do is just see it play out, see it unfold, see uh, what happens with Georgia when they play on September 3rd against Oregon. Uh, Benjamin Bachman, you got anything you want to wrap up the show with? Your girlfriend didn't show up in the chat tonight, so that's good. Yeah, Paul did not get, um, you know, Paul didn't fall for a bot this time. I'm very proud of Paul. <laughs> much improvement to my good friend, the host, Paul Meharry. Um, But I also want to say this weekend, there's going to be a preview on Thursday with Blaine and the guys on Rumors versus Facts. It's moved to Thursday yep. for the big recruiting weekend. Arch Manning, Paul's recruit, who Georgia should not offer a scholarship to for Paul. Did you, um, you take- Caleb Downs and others will all be here for a massive recruiting weekend this weekend. So follow UJ Sports and follow Blaine and those and Jed, Money Jed and Trent and those guys. And don't I, I swear you're like a you're like the give a mouse a cookie thing, and then next thing you know you, you're refinancing my house. That, <laughs> that's, that's what you do. You, Art shouldn't get a scholarship from George. Like that's, you that's how you talk. That's how you talk, Paul. No, go back and pull. Oh, some- you're like, I understand why Georgia fans wouldn't want Arch because of the whole class separation and guys are transferring. You're basically justifying a reason that it would be a good thing that they don't get him. That's what you're doing. So basically, <laughs> no. you're justifying it. Jason, please get us out of here. Jason, anything you want to wrap up for the rest of the for the rest of the week before we come back? You next know, Sunday? you lost, Paul. You 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 had. To, um, you know, I'm just happy that. Uh, that we were able to have uh, our show back this week, and we're happy that Paul, you're feeling much better and recovering. Yeah, 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 we're doing we're doing good over here. Unfortunately, I had to see Ben's face for an hour, so that's an hour too much. But guys, we'll be back next week, same time, eight p.m. Sunday night. Uh, that's Eastern Standard Time. If you didn't catch it all the way, you can rewatch it on YouTube. It'll also be up on our podcast where you uh, download any UGA Sports podcast, and it'll also be on UGASports.com, guys. For Benjamin Bachman, Jason Butt, I'm Paul Meharry. Let me find our uh, outro out of here, and then we're gone, guys. We appreciate it so much. Make sure if you're not subscribed, hit that subscribe button. Hit that thumbs up. Notification, gang.